Hello and welcome to another Help Hotline. Today I'm going to be talking about the events and importance of the Long March from 1934 to 1935. So, first we're going to look at what created the Long March. So, after the Shanghai Massacre, many communists regrouped in rural areas such as the Xiangxi, Xiangxi Soviet, and that was set up. Uh, and communists like Zhu Dei and Mao Zedong were the ones that led the Red Army, aka the PLA, People's Liberation Army, units in these areas. Now, Zhao Enlai arrives at the Zhangxi Soviet in 1932 and basically ousts Mao from his military positions. Then in 1933, the rest of the CCP leadership arrived, along with uh, Otto Braun, who was a German Comintern agent. So... At this time in 1933, the CCP is led mainly by Otto Braun, Zhao Enlai, and Bogu. So the GMD and Zhang Zhejie regard the Zhangxi Soviet as a greater threat to le their leadership, and especially Zhang Zhejie. He really regards the Zhangxi Soviet as a greater threat to his authority than either the warlords or the bandits. So from the very beginning, he is slightly obsessed with the communists and getting rid of the communists. And so he organizes five massive extermination campaigns between 1930 and 1934 in order to cleanse China of the communists. So each extermination camp is bigger than the last. And even though his army always outnumber the communists, the first four campaigns are complete failures. Now, this is because Mao Zedong and Zhu Dei use tactics that are very clever to fight the GMD. So instead of fighting in head-on battles, they lure the GMD troops into communist-held territory, and then each unit is attacked separately. And so, basically, guerrilla warfare. He... And Mao Zedong would use these, like, flowery slogans to sum up the guerrilla tactics. So, for example, when the enemy advances, we retreat. When the enemy halts, we trouble them. When the enemy seeks to avoid battle, we attack. When the en enemy retreats, we pursue. And so that is pretty much sums up the tactics of the uh, Red Army at the time. So this does lead to some setbacks, however. So when the GMD is lured into areas held by the CCP, then the GMD was able to capture villagers who were supportive of the CCP as they advanced. So uh, in four years, one million peasants were brutally killed or starved to death because of these extermination camps. And many members of the Communist Party actually criticized Mao's tactics, saying they were cowardly and politically wrong. But because of the failure of the first four campaigns the GM by the GMD, Zhang Zhejie launches a fifth campaign against the communists in 1933. And it's successful because of what are called the blockhouse tactics. Instead of invading the red areas and trying to capture them by fighting in battles, 
the method was to surround the Jiangxi Soviet. So 500,000 troops surrounded the Jiangxi Soviet and then advanced slowly by building blockhouses, digging trenches, putting up barbed wire fences as they went to stop basically all movement in or out of the Jiangxi Soviet. So pretty much cut them off from food, fuel, weapons, ammunition, and starve them out. So reduce the area that the communists controlled. By October of 1934, the communists had lost over half of their territory. 60,000 troops in the Red Army had been killed, and the area under control was shrinking as the GMD advanced. On October 16, 1934, 87,000 soldiers of the Red Army set out on a retreat by Otto Braun. And as they retreated, they took all the equipment of the Jiangxi Soviet that would be needed for setting up a new government in a new area. And they aimed to get to Hunan, Hubei. So thousands of people were carrying out office furniture, files, a printing press, radio equipment, gold bars, telephone wires, all that kind of stuff. The army also took as much weaponry and ammunition as it could carry. So in the end, they were taking out 33,000 guns, 1.8 million cartridges, 76,000 grenades, 38 mortars, and 25,000 mortar shells. And it takes the Red Army six weeks to break through the blockhouse rings that were encircling Jiangxi. And no sooner had they broken through than they were forced to fight a major battle when they reached the Xiang River, and that goes from the 25th of November to the 3rd of December. By the end of that battle, the Red Army lost 45,000 men. And a lot of them blamed Otto Braun for all these losses because they had been due partly to the amount of equipment they were carrying, which of course slowed them down and gave the GMD time to prepare for attacks. Um, the other thing was Otto Braun was leading the Red Army pretty much in a straight line, which kind of makes it easy for the GMD to predict its movements. So when the Red Army reaches the town of Zunyi on January 9th, 1935, um, all the leaders of the CCP sit down to work out a better tactic, a better way of dealing with this. And Otto Braun was suspended and military control of the Red Army was given back to Mao Zedong and Zhu Dei. So then you have the Ludig Bridge crossing of May of 1935. The GMD at this point had successfully destroyed all available boats. So there was no way for the Red Army to cross using boats. And Mao built a bridge and crossed it successfully. At the Luding Bridge on the Dadu River, the GMD tore up all the planks and left only chains and shot at the CCP who were swinging across the chains. And this is actually used by the Communist Party as propaganda because it shows how brave these Red Army people were that under all this fire and just with chains, they were able to successfully cross this bridge. Um, and after this incident, about 100 members of the GMD actually retreat and join Mao Zedong and the Red Army. So the thing is, as much as like things like the Luding Bridge crossing are used as propaganda, 
And so therefore, the Long March is successful in the fact that it was able to use this propaganda and, you know, show the strengths of the communists and whatnot. The Long March as a whole is unsuccessful because the Red Army loses about 90% of the men they started with. So, yeah, there's a slight problem with the long march being seen as a success as such okay the sun sun pan marches were the obstacle though as there was 400 kilometers of swamp that they had to go through and the red army was ambushed by local tribes and many drowned in the mud this is what i was talking about before where the men had to sleep back to back in order to stop from sinking in the mud um of the 10,000 who went through the marshes, only 7,000 survived the marshes. And in October of 1935, when they reached the Shanxi Soviet and linked up with troops from other areas, there was pretty much, you know, just a slice of the number of troops that had started out. So... It's there in Yan'an that Mao sets up his headquarters and he stays there for the next 10 years. And so Yan'an becomes the headquarters of the CCP in China. Okay, so during the Fifth Suppression Campaign, 800,000 GMD troops with tactics of building blockhouses and encirclement made it very difficult for the Red Army to obtain food, weaponry, and ammunition and on October 19, 1934, the Red Army was forced to retreat. It was difficult for the Red Army to replenish their men who had fallen to the GMD, and as a result, they retreated to the north. They crossed the Xiang River as 90,000 CCP Red Army members broke out of the Jiangxi. They carried all they could carry, and it limited their speed, which enabled the GMD to protect their movements. Furthermore, they were led by Bolsheviks to walk in a straight line, which proved to be unsuccessful as it became easier for the GMD to attack. So as a result, 50,000 people were lost. At the Zhunyi conference, you only have 30,000 left in the Red Army, and Otto Braun, the Bolshevik leader, is replaced by Mao because Braun had lost his influence with the Reds. That is the main key events of the Long March. Why was it important? Okay, so there is an importance to the Long March. It removes the CCP from a region in China in which it would have been vulnerable to Japanese invasion in 1937, as well as attacks from the GMD. So the Long March actually forced the CCP into an area where it was able to become stronger. It was able to regroup and re-strengthen. Um, during the Long March, there were a number of crucial party meetings which were going to have a profound effect on the leadership and the policy of the Chinese Communist Party for the next 40 years. Um, and so those are the significance of the Long March. The Long March is also important in the sense that the CCP was able to kind of use this as propaganda and you know, it basically say, hey, they counted us out. They thought they could get us. And guess what? We're still here. So that's the main thing 
is the propaganda of the strength of the Red Army and the sheer drive and the ability to fight the adversity and keep moving forward. That propaganda machine is probably one of the most important things about the Long March. Because if you look at the Long March just as what the aims were and what happened and the casualties and whatnot, it was a complete failure for the CCP, and yet they are able to turn it into such a positive type thing. So that's my little spiel uh, recap of the Long March. I will continue to do these short little quickie recaps and whatnot in order to kind of hopefully you'll just listen to these and go, oh yeah, now I remember. And it'll help you revise for your exams and whatnot. All right, uh, that's my quickie for now, and I will talk to you guys later. All right, bye.